Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. Hope everybody is doing okay, especially... Those folks that are out in Florida tonight trying to uh, get through and survive the hurricane, my heart's with you. Trust me, my heart's with you. My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. We've got a great guest, returning guest. Our good friend Harry A. Millman is going to be with us talking about the forensics of celebrity deaths. This is the second round with him because he's got a new book on the topic. Make sure I got my little notes here. I have notes. Let me take your notes. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody here. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. Let me make an adjustment here for my camera. There we go. And uh, we are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you have a paranormal need, uh, we can get to you no matter where you're at. Okay? Because we've got people way up in Northern California, Central California, the Bay Area, the Gold Country, you know, everywhere in California. Plus, we've got people in Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and even associates in Hawaii. Imagine that. Anyway, I want to welcome you all here. If you're watching from Facebook, please be sure to hit that follow button. Okay? And that like button, too. We, we like to get our likes. So be sure to follow us if you if you like what you hear tonight. Okay? You know, if you enjoy the show. Also, if you're watching from YouTube, there's a little ghost in the bottom of the right-hand corner. You'll see him when I bring up the screen. You'll see a picture of my little ghost. And he's got a, a Sherlock Holmes hat on and a magnifying glass. That's how you subscribe to our YouTube page. And our YouTube channel um, actually has over 450-some-odd videos over there on different topics. Just like tonight, we're not doing any ghostly thing. We're doing uh, forensics because uh, maybe some of you know and some of you don't. Uh, when I was a, a working newspaper reporter, that was my thing, was I was a crime courts beat reporter. So I got to cover a lot of stuff like that. So it, it's, a, it's a fascinating topic for me, and that's why I just love having this gentleman on. Okay, anyway, um, I have no announcements right now, so I'm just going to get into it and get Harry on here, and we can talk with him about his new book. How's that sound? All right? Okay, here we go. Good evening, sir. Well, good evening. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm on the East Coast, uh, and, and so far, at least, the hurricane has not reached uh, Washington, D.C. Thank God for that. How are you doing? We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I've been uh, extremely busy, as you can imagine. Um, my uh, second book came out about four or five weeks ago. I'm, uh, we're going to be talking about that in a moment. Mm -hmm. And I've uh, also had uh, many uh, book signing events. I'm pretty well booked uh, uh, almost uh, every weekend until uh, Christmas. And, uh, and aside from that, I'm also having book signing events at uh, uh, Fort Meade Post Exchange a military base here in Maryland uh, during the week. So uh, I've been quite busy. And of course, aside from uh, the book that's been published, I'm already writing the the third forensics book uh, because uh, all, all my, uh, you know, all my readers are, are clamoring for another volume. So I'm about 40% uh, finished with the next book, uh, but I estimate it'll take another year and a half by the time it's published. Um, 
aside from that, you know, uh, life goes on. Everything is doing well. Uh, I appreciate that. What is your background, uh, you know, to, to lead up to writing these things? Yeah, so I have a PhD in pharmacology. Uh, I'm basically a toxicology and cancer expert. I, I worked for, I did cancer research and uh, laboratory research in, at the National Cancer Institute for 10 years, uh, looking for uh, new, new drugs to treat leukemia and, and pancreatic cancer. And after 10 years of doing that, I then worked at the Environmental Protection Agency uh, for 18 years uh, doing regulatory toxicology and and cancer of uh, environmental chemicals. And uh, and, and following that, uh, I did a, a 23 years as, a, as an expert witness uh, testifying uh, on, on basically cases involving drugs and chemicals, um, for example, drug overdoses or chemical exposure uh, causing toxic effects or cancer effects. Uh, as well as pharmacy errors, medical malpractice issues, um, both for defense and plaintiff. And, and I testified uh, as an expert now for 23 years. Uh, and about eight, nine years ago, I decided to write my first novel, and uh, which was called A Death at, at Camp David. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the uh, forensic toxicologist as the main character, and, uh, and I thought, you know, I'll take my whole background experience, put into the main character. <clears throat> so it'll be a very easy, uh, you know, a very easy uh, journey for me to write that, uh, uh, that novel. But actually it took two and a half years of, of uh, heart, I have blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank God it's over. It took a, a lot of effort. I said, thank God it's over. Uh, the idea of course was just to have a book for me on my shelf Mm-hmm. But I had my first book signing event at uh, Barnes & Noble bookstores, and I sold out. People were asking me, what are you writing next? And I had no plans of writing anything else, but now I had to write another book. So I, can't, I wrote uh, my next novel, a space exploration thriller about sabotage of the International Space Station called uh, Soyuz, The Final Flight. <clears throat> and... Uh, and that that book, besides being uh, in a hard, it's being sold as a hardcover, softcover, and ebook, it was also narrated by uh, by R. C. Bray, the award-winning narrator of, of The Martian. We all we all remember the the movie The Martian with right. Matt Damon. Uh, it was a book. It was a book first, and R. C. Bray narrated that book, and, and he also narrated mine. And then I, I started writing my third book uh, called uh, Murder of the Taj Mahal, my third fiction book. And about 30% into that book, uh, then uh, Carrie Fisher died. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we spoke about this at the last uh, uh, interview. <clears throat> but just quickly, she had a medical emergency aboard the plane. She died in the hospital three days later. I decided to look into that death. And that gave me the idea to look into other deaths. And so that that does spawn my next book, which is a nonfiction forensics book called uh, Forensics, the Science Behind the Deaths of Famous People. Wow. And in that case, that was 20, I reviewed the autopsies and other records mm-hmm. of uh, 23 famous people in the entertainment industry. Uh, I will tell you that uh, that book was published about a year, year and a half ago. And since then, 
you know, it reached a number one bestseller in forensics all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, now it has 859 reviews. And uh, so it's very exciting. And, uh, and everybody wants me to write a sequel mm -hmm. as if it's so easy. So here we are. I uh, took another two years to wrote that sequel, and, which was published about four or five weeks ago. And that's called Forensics 2, The Science Behind the Deaths of Famous and Infamous People. And um, if I can just take a sip of water here. Absolutely. <clears throat> and for the sequel, I uh, published, uh, I did the same kind of analysis. I reviewed the autopsies and other records. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it was of 36, not 23, like last time, but this time 36 famous and infamous people. <clears throat> and they are in a variety of industries, not just uh, the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. um, so just to give you, you know, uh, your, your viewers some uh some idea. The first one, for example, is George Washington. And the last one is Naya Rivera. Uh, she was an actress in Glee. And in between, we have uh, people like, uh, like Bruce Lee, Napoleon, Rasputin, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain, Jerry Garcia, um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Aretha Franklin, and, uh, you know, George Harrison of the Beatles, uh, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, and many others. So um, it's so far, it also, this book has also reached number one bestseller uh, in uh, forensics. And uh, it's, it's, it's being very well received. And, uh, and I've had a number of book signing events, like I said, and they're selling out. So I think your readers would uh, really like these books. They're both available on Amazon as well as at my on my website mm -hmm. uh, talks uh it, it's it, the website is www.forensicsfamouspeople.com forensics with an s forensicsfamouspeople.com when we talk about someone like kirk cobain what actually happened with him and is it hard to, is it hard to get a hold of the information to do it so you could write the book <clears throat> Yeah, so my book contains more than a thousand references. So you can imagine it requires, uh, first of all, first of all, it requires a lot of research to to find all this information. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, published articles, autopsies, uh, toxicology reports, um, police reports, and so forth and so on, and and then to understand what what was written in terms of the science information, and then, and then uh, to uh, synthesize all that information into, into some sort of a compelling story that will make uh, readers uh, not only appreciate uh, what I wrote, but also want to co continue uh, reading to the next page. That, means, that is to say that they sh it should be a page turner. Mm -hmm. So, uh, a lot of my readers say that my, my books are read like mystery novels. They're not textbooks. So I try to make the science very easily understandable for non-scientists. But I, so I, I define all my terms uh, within the text, but also at the back of the book, after, after the, all the stories are done, I have a, a, a formulary uh, where I give more detail about the various drugs that I mentioned in the book. 
okay. as well as a glossary, which uh, gives a lot of detail about the medical terms uh, that are in the book, as well as all, a list of all the references and, and, and a, an index. So, and, and, you know, just to answer your question about Kurt Cobain, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to give away uh, too much information uh, because I think uh, there's, there's nothing better than the, for the reader to actually, you know, for your listeners to actually read the book. Right. Uh, that gives a lot of detail. But, uh, but just as, as a general matter, I know there's for Kurt, for Kurt Cobain as well as for any, any other uh, person in my book, there's always, there's always the question that people ask, you know, uh, you know, they'll, everybody has an opinion for how, let's say a, a given person died. And, and that opinion usually has to do with, um, you know, uh, for example, one person might say it was a suicide. Another person might say it's a homicide. Uh, and, and I just want you, your viewers and, and listeners to, to understand that what we're talking about here, when we say suicide or homicide, that is not forensics. That is an opinion based on information, uh, which includes forensics as well as circumstances surrounding the death. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes some medical records, if they're available, police reports, if they're available, but obviously, the more information is available, the better that opinion can be formulated. Uh, so the opinion is based on the, the, the kind of evidence that you have to, to, uh, to analyze in order to formulate an opinion, and also on the academic background and, and understanding by the, the person who's, who's formulating an opinion. So for example, a scientist might be able to understand more information, scientific information, than a than a layperson who basically just gets this information from newspapers and magazines, uh, or and, and in some cases uh, some some more scientific articles. Mm -hmm. But but the the, uh, the basically the more knowledge base you have, the the better can you, you can formulate an opinion. Uh, so. But that opinion is also based on the available information. So the more information you have, the better the likelihood the opinion is correct. And, and you can only formulate an opinion based on the amount of information that you have at that moment. Mm -hmm. so, so in the Kurt Cobain case, we know that he, you know, that he, that he had medication in his system and he was also, he had a gunshot. And then there's uh, this, and, and then, so of course we have the autopsy results, but we also have the circumstances surrounding the death which has to do with how, you know, how, how did the gun, gun, uh, you know, how did he obtain the gun, you know, and the ammunition and, and that sort of thing. And how did that relate to, uh, to his death? Uh, again, I don't, I don't want to give too much detail, but, but, but the circumstances surrounding the death, as well as the autopsy results and toxicology report uh, together help formulate an opinion uh, that is more likely than not the cause of death. Now, again, what I want you, your viewers and uh, listeners to understand that there are two specific uh, concepts that one has to, un to uh, conclude. Uh, one of them is the cause of death, and the other one is the manner of death. And what we were speaking here about, when we say about homicide versus suicide, we're talking about manner of death, which is an opinion, as, as we've just discussed. 
Um, there are, there are basically five categories for manner of death. There's, it can either be a natural death, a homicide, a suicide, a, an accidental death, or, or undetermined if, if none of these fit the circumstances. Um, that's, where, that's where the public, that's where the magazines, that's where the newspapers focus on the manner of death because that's an opinion. Right. Everybody has their own opinion, so that's why you get so much confusion. But on the, on the cause of death, that's based on scientific explanation, based on, on measure, scientific measurements mm -hmm. of autopsy, blood work, your, you know, urine analysis, the hair, hair follicles, if, if necessary. So that's all, that's all science-based, and that's where forensics lies. Forensics lies in cause of death. Manner of death is an opinion. Mm -hmm. Forensics is, is used to, to arrive at an opinion, but it's not the only factor. And of course, like, as I indicated, the, the opinion is based not only on the evidence, but also on your background and experience and knowledge base. So different pe people may have different opinions, but 99 point, more than 99% of, of, uh, of, uh, of scientists uh, or uh, who who examine for uh, who examine cause of death uh, usually agree with the coroner's conclusion on the cause of death. Mm -hmm. Even the public, even the public usually does not discuss cause of death. They never they never say, "Well, Corbin was not did not die from a gunshot wound." They never say that. They just what they talk about is who who shot him. You know, right? right. So so forensics is cause of death. Manner of death is opinion. Interesting. Uh, when you look, when you go back, like I, I know you did Napoleon Bonaparte. How were you able to get the information on him? Was it just historical records, or how how'd that work? Yeah, it's a lot of historical records. Um, you know, for George Washington, for Napoleon, you know, Rasputin. It's a lot of historical records that that you know you find. You, you, you know, if you search hard enough, which, which I did, you know, you find articles um, that describe exactly, you know, what was happening. So, uh, for example, Napoleon, uh, you know, and, and I, and by the way, each one of my chapters is another person. And I don't only discuss the, the science, but I also discuss their background. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, kind of build a build it into a comprehensive story of their life and death, if you will, uh, and then and then arrive at conclusions where I summarize everything together, uh, and then try to kind of bring it up to to the present. So, in in, in Napoleon's case, for example, he, uh, he at, at at some point in his in his career, he wound up uh, being uh, uh, placed on, on an island. And uh, and uh, and you know he was suffering from um, you know for basically gastrointestinal up upset, but mm -hmm. you know, severe kind of thing. The point of the matter is that the 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 question that that lingered over the years is um, you know what did he die from? Did he die from uh, you know uh, in the end the the autopsy. Um, Findings was uh, 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 gastric cancer, uh, mm -hmm. but the question is: how, the question is, uh, what caused the gas, gastric cancer? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, 
And so back then they knew, back in his time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they obviously didn't have the same amount of information, scientific information that we have today right. uh, about causes of gastric cancer. So different people and, and, and then different scientists since then, since Napoleon died, reviewed the same information that I did and maybe some others and, and made certain conclusions that it could have been this, it could have been that, could have been a certain bacteria that, you know, the, that's kind of linked, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and based on, based on you know, where the cancer uh, was present in the stomach, you know, it was one, one issue that they looked at. Um, the kind of diet that he had, you know, uh, the, you know, over the years and, and his exposure. And the question was, in the end was, um, did he die from arsenic poisoning? And, you know, was it, did he die from arsenic poisoning or, uh, or, or was it the cancer? Now, just for, for your uh, uh, viewers and listeners, <clears throat> I'd just like to clarify what we're talking about here when we say uh, 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 poisoning. <clears throat> you know, arsenic poisoning, when we talk about a poison, we're talking about a chemical, for example, arsenic, that can cause death. But, but if it causes death, it's a, it's a poison. If it causes uh, anything short of death. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hang on, guys. Just hang on, hang on, hang on. We lost him for a second. Let me um, get him out and get him it's back. It's arsenic, but it, you know, just because you're exposed to arsenic that can cause all sorts of gastric upset and 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 all sorts of uh, health issues uh but that's if it didn't kill you uh mm-hmm. then then it's you know it's it, it's not it's it's not a lethal poison you know you didn't in other words you didn't take enough you he, uh, in the case in this case napoleon didn't take enough uh of a dose to to of arsenic to kill him to kill right. himself so so basically and and we and and take, taking sh- small amounts over a long period of time, you know, will not kill you. But what you need is a large amount in a short period of time. All right, of a poison in order for you to to of a poison to kill you. Right. It's kind of like a drug overdose. So when you take a drug overdose, if yeah, if you, if you take one large drug overdose, you can die. But if you take smaller doses over a period of time, you're not going to die. It's the right. same. With arsenic as well, so uh, so now people people made uh, so, some people are making conclusions that his arsenic exposure was mm-hmm. due, for example, back in those days they had arsenic was part of many many products. It was a normal part of many products. It was also in in uh, in wallpaper, you know, and and his room, you know, on this island was wallpapered, and they. They, they they measured and they found arsenic in the wallpaper. Well, so yes, back in those days, people got arsenic exposure through many products, wallpaper, environment, you name it. Uh, but small exposures over a long period of time, like I said, will not kill you. Uh, they might cause you, make you sick, but they will not kill you. My conclusion was... And, and again, it was something that they didn't know back then, but we know that now. Now, right. 
know, now we know that arsenic causes, arsenic has been shown to cause cancer in humans, as well as in laboratory animals under experimental conditions. So we know that not only can cause cancer, but can cause stomach cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so his, so, and, and we know that Napoleon had exposure to arsenic for many years, and we know that based on, uh, on measurements of arsenic in his hair follicles. Uh, so, 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 like with any chemical carcinogen, you know, uh, one, you have to, one, if you know that the chemical causes, one, does it cause cancer? Two, does it cause your kind of cancer? In this case, uh, gastric cancer. And three, did you have enough exposure? And, and, and Napoleon, he had exposure over at least 40 years based on the, based on the measurements in, in, the, in the hair follicles. So it doesn't matter where the exposure came from. Some people are saying, well, he, somebody poisoned him. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, somebody may have poisoned him. I mean, we don't know. There's no proof that somebody poisoned him. Uh, the suggestion that certain people may have wanted him poisoned, you know, but there's, mm -hmm. no, there's no evidence that a specific person poisoned Napoleon. And like I said, small doses will not kill you from a toxic effect but small doses over 40 years may kill you from a cancer effect. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, so my conclusion with Napoleon is that he died from, we, we know he died from stomach cancer. And my mm -hmm. conclusion is the stomach cancer was caused by his long-term exposure to arsenic. Where that exposure came from, whether it was products or, or contamination of air or, or wallpaper, is really immaterial. The point is that we know arsenic causes stomach cancer. He had stomach cancer put into it together. Napoleon died from stomach cancer caused by arsenic. And how old was he when he died? Was he 40? Uh, he was young. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll have to look that up. I don't remember exactly. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, It's just interesting that, you know, was, they had... Excuse me, he was 51. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just find it interesting because, you know, with all the um, technology we have and all the knowledge we have medically nowadays, it's ama it amazes me that back then they were able to, to, to call it stomach cancer. Yeah, so... Um... You know, they had a pathologist. First of all, he had he had uh, you know he had good doctors. Right. Uh, there were military doctors and uh, and uh, you know pathologists. So uh, the the uh, you know they they called it. They saw first of all they saw the lesions in the stomach and they described them. Uh, you know uh, and and. This, and the scientists and the pathologists nowadays who looked at the descriptions called it as a stomach cancer, uh, but the uh, but but the point that you're making is very good about uh, what they knew then versus what we know now. And, and if you look at George Washington, for example, um, he died for something that if he just you know if he was just inflicted with that condition 50 years later, right. he would have been alive. He was he would be alive because years later they already you know they had 
medical treatments. You know, they had antibiotics and everything that they didn't have in his time. So, so yeah, it, it kind of shows like where the science and, and medicine has evolved over time and how, you know, how, uh, but by, by its evolution and how it helped so many more people. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't that the truth even now? I mean, somebody will pass away even from, say, Alzheimer's, and now they're finding all kinds of different things for Alzheimer's. And at some point, they're going to find a way either to slow, really, really slow it down or stop it. Yeah. And, and of course, you're right. I mean, we can, we can look even, uh, Alzheimer's is the latest, but we can also even look at cancer, uh, right. how cancer has evolved, you know, cancer treatment has evolved. I mean, uh, breast cancer, for example, the, you know, they used to do uh, radical mastectomies and now they do lumpectomies. Um, and, and then, of course, there's a lot of uh, a lot of medical treatments for different cancers. There's some cancers, of course, that are still difficult to treat, uh, mm -hmm. like pancreatic cancer, but there are others that have, have made quite a lot of headway. And, and then the other thing is, you know, we, we also we're constantly looking for early detection, early detection through uh, of cancer through through uh, biological uh, markers, what we call biological markers. So, for example, for prostate cancer, you know, uh, there's the PSA test. Uh, PSA test is 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 not specific for cancer. It's, it's it basically shows that the uh, you know if, if the PSA is elevated, it shows that the cells are multiplying. But you know, you know, it could be an, a benign condition or it could be a cancerous condition. But it's mm -hmm. early indicated to look further, you know, uh, to do a biopsy, for example. Uh, now, m many years ago, we didn't have, we didn't even have that, you know. And then, you know, and there are other markers that are that are being looked at for other kinds of cancers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And let's talk about George Washington for 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 a bit here. I mean, you know, when, when you're a kid, you're told that. The, the wooden teeth is what took him out, you know, what killed him. Is that true? The, the wooden teeth? No, no, the wooden teeth had nothing to do with it. He, uh, you know, he, he basically, you know, he, he basically suffered an, an upper respiratory infection is, is, is what happened, uh, which for which they had no treatment at the time, you know, and, uh, and, and he succumbed to his infection is, bas is basically what happened. Interesting. I mean, because, I mean, you know, I don't know, the, the, these legends that get passed down about the way people die, like, you know, like him, for instance, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes for the layman to separate the truth from the, from the fantasy. How do you do that when, when you go back to the files to find out? Yeah, well, <clears throat> because I'm not looking at what, when I'm looking at all the data and all the uh, papers and everything, I'm looking at it from, as a scientist. I'm not looking as, as a layman. So, and I also try to uh, to corroborate as much as I can uh, information that I find. So if I find it in several sources, basically saying the same thing, you know, that kind of gives it a little bit more credence. Mm -hmm. um, but but I'm looking at the data from, in, I'm looking at all this, the articles and information from a, from a scientist's point of view and based, I mean, I, I have, you know, I have more than 50 years experience in toxicology and, and, you know, based on my background and experience, not that I can't, uh, I shouldn't get more experience, but, mm -hmm. uh, but based on my experience, I take all that background and I try to comprehend what I'm reading 
and making you know making sure that it all makes sense and uh, and then I communicated something that the computer was not Okay, guys, we're going to have trouble off and on because of the hurricane and the fact that, again, you know, everybody in my neighborhood's probably checking out the hurricane, so just bear with us with the show tonight, okay? Um, I'm going to do a, try to do a switch over to my backup internet right now and see if I can't do that. Oh, there you are. I'm going to do a quick switch to my backup internet, and I think it's just... Okay, I, I don't <clears throat> I don't hear anything. <clears throat> Your uh, picture is frozen. There we go. Are you there? Yes, I am. Yeah, I think it's because of the hurricane. You know, it's like stuff's going on on the East Coast, and then everybody's online up here. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just craziness right now. Um, this is a fascinating interview. Every time, you know, last time you came on, it was absolutely fascinating too to talk about this stuff. What about Jim Jones? A lot of people don't know who Jim Jones is. <clears throat> well, uh, Jim Jones, an interesting character. He he was a, uh, you know, he was a preacher basically. Uh, you know, uh, he, he had. Uh, you know, he had this uh, temple, uh, and he attracted a lot of. He was very charismatic, and he, he was attracting a lot of uh, basically uh, poor people in, in, in California area, and uh, and he had uh, he was he was espousing kind of socialism uh, uh, ideas. But the thing is that he was um, what I found fascinating is that his initial. Uh, uh, ideas were, you know, very commendable. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you know, taking care of the poor, uh, housing, food, you know, everybody uh, should love one another and, and all that. And, you know, with time as he got more, and he, and he was even into, into the political arena because he had all these followers and, and people who were running for office in California and elsewhere uh, tried to take advantage of his, of his, uh, you know his his following and all that because it meant votes, and so that he would he would even get involved in in be, being uh, 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 being hired as as uh, or placed in some high level uh, public uh, positions right. uh, in his area of expertise. And but with time, you know, he he just became as he got more and more power. I would say it kind of went to his head, if you will. So, mm -hmm. so now, you know, he, he, all his followers, for example, he asked them to, to give up their social security checks, to give up all their retirement money, to right. give everything for the cause, if you will, and and the cause primarily was was him, and he, and 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 and, if, and and aside from that, he was also getting involved with uh, getting into trouble with the IRS. So it came a point in time when he moved his whole operation to to Guyana in South America. Now, uh, and, and, and people who, who were there uh, basically were not allowed to leave. Uh, 
they want to leave, they couldn't leave uh, some uh, for, for various reasons that were held back and and came, came a point in time that the congressional committee uh, went to investigate and uh, and and uh, and the uh, congressman who, who went down there and, and a couple of reporters were shot and were killed on the tarmac uh, by some of Koresh's uh, uh, followers, uh, I don't mean Koresh, um, uh, Jim Jones's followers, and, uh, and and eventually, and, and shortly thereafter, Jim Jones have it, had all his followers uh, drink from a vat of, uh, of uh, uh, grape juice um, that was, uh, by coincidence, that was spiked with with uh, with uh, arsenic, okay. and and nine hundred or so people died. Uh, and why did they drink it? Because over time, over time, he would have these mock uh, rehearsals, if you will, mm-hmm. for them for them to drink from the vat, only to tell them that uh, that it wasn't poisoned. But this time, it was poisoned. And 900 uh, people uh, drank, and and they all died. That means men, women, and children. Um, now the question was, um, all the 900 people died. Uh, most of them died because they drank the poison from the poison vat. Some of them were shot uh, dead by uh, uh, Jim Jones's followers. But then right. the question was, how did he die? You know, did he drink from the vat? Did he also drink from the vat? Did the or did he die some other way? Mm-hmm. Um, so, there, you know, there's discussion about that. Uh, you know, in, in the lay public, uh, I looked at the autopsies, I looked at the toxicology reports, and I, I arrived at certain conclusions, which, of course, you'll have to read in the book. Right. <laughs> but uh, but it makes. It makes some interesting reading when you when you look at the actual actually at the autopsy and, and at the toxicology reports to see, you know, uh, did he have any arsenic in his system? Did he did he have any other drugs in his system? And if so, how much? And was it enough mm-hmm. to kill you? You know, and if and if he was shot, how likely was it that he shot himself or that somebody else shot him? Right. Uh, so. So the, all these kind of questions I, I reviewed and con- made conclusions on uh, in the book. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. The whole book is fascinating. You know, that's why, I, like I said, you know, being a crime courts reporter for um, for like ten years. I mean, it's, it's something that absolutely fascinates me. I mean, I was looking in court files and looking at forensics and talking with coroners and, and things as well too. You know, so it's it's fascinating to see what the procedures are that they go through. You know to check this stuff out. Can you explain, um, if you know, some of those procedures that what they're looking into, like like the stomach contents, or, or what are they looking at? Yeah, I I thought, uh, I, I always like to say that you find out more about a person after they die than than before. You know, these kind of people, that is to say, these celebrity types uh, or well-known people, you find out more about what they really like. From their autopsy, than from you know, than what what you read in, in magazines or newspapers or see on TV, mm-hmm. um, uh, because the autopsy doesn't lie, and then you find out that these, you know, these people have the same problems as anybody else does. I mean, you know, M- Michael Jackson, for example, in my first book, 
you know, when you saw him, when you saw him on stage, saw him on TV, it looked like he looked like a young, uh, vibrant, you know, uh, singer, dancer, you know, who full of energy. But in the autopsy, you find out that uh, he's just like every other fifty-year-old man suffering from the same problems that anybody else does. You know, he has. Uh, uh, you know, osteoporosis, he has uh, prostate problems, you know, he's wearing a wig, you know, so, so, you know, he's it, it, just more down to earth, you know, through the autopsy. Uh, in terms of, uh, to respond to your question about what, what, you know, what does one look for in, in, uh, in, in forensics? So generally, you know, and I'm, and I'm speaking from the point of view of, um, Let's say someone who testifies in court. Of course. Uh, so, um, so what you look for, you know, if if someone dies, so you know, if you find a body, for example, and it, there's a stab wound or a shooting uh, or, or a bullet wound, then you know pretty well. At least you have a good idea that they either died from the stabbing or the shooting. Okay, but but if but if you don't have a stab wound and you don't have any bullet wounds, then the question is. Was in, you know, the, the, how did, but, but the person is dead. So the question is, how did he die? Did he die? Was there a natural death, like a, like a uh, heart attack, for example? Right. Was it, uh, you know, was it a drug overdose? Right. Uh, was it uh, strangulation, asphyxiation, mm-hmm. you know, or, or was it carbon monoxide or something like that, you know? So that's kind of where it becomes a little bit more interesting. Because in order to answer those kind of questions, so the autopsy, um, so the first thing you do is an autopsy. And the autopsy basically means that a pathologist opens up the body and looks at, looks at, the, or, looks, looks at the organs for anatomical changes that might indicate uh, a cause of death. For example, let's say, you know, uh, let's say the suspected uh, uh, heart attack. Well, they would they would look at the at the heart, see if the heart is enlarged. For example, that might be a risk factor for an arrhythmia. An arrhythmia means uh, that a, a person will have a an a abnormal heart rhythm right. that can cause death. Uh, it, uh, so, a, a large heart is a risk factor for an arrhythmia. Alternatively, if you don't have a large heart, they may have uh, atherosclerosis or plaque, you know, calcium plaque in in the in the arteries and you know in the coronary arteries, and that means that there'll be in, uh, blood flow through the coronary arteries will be impeded, and so that the heart will not get enough uh, blood oxygenated blood to uh, to you know to uh, to keep the the heart muscle alive, and then you can, you, you know, if you had a heart attack, for example, you can see, you can find dead heart tissue. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of things you would look for, let's say, for a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other things you would look at, for example, uh, and so an autopsy looks at anatomical changes. So other things you would look at, for example, is the lungs, are the lungs filled with fluid? Let's say, uh, let's say uh, there's a potential drowning. You might get uh, fluid, not always, but a lot of times you might get fluid in the lungs. Mm-hmm. So that, that will support drowning. Uh, 
So, you know, uh, so, and then and what, what else? Uh, you know, the tumors, obviously, uh, if there's a brain tumor, for example, uh, it's something that you would look at anatomically. Uh, you know, you look at all, at all the organs, the brain is one of them, and you look to see if there's any tumors in, in, involved. For example, uh, there was in, uh, in um, um, Robin Williams had a tumor. So those are the kind of things you look at. And, 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 and the, so you look at all the anatomical changes. Uh, this is kind of a standard protocol that, you know, they, they first do the external examination, see if there's anything externally. And, and then they open up the body, they look at each organ, they look at the, at the, at the tissues, they, they might, might examine some tissues under a microscope, depending, uh, you know, what they find. And, and after all that, sometimes, sometimes you go through all of that and you still don't know how the person died. So the, so the next thing they do is to do the toxicology analysis. Mm -hmm. For toxicology analysis, generally speaking, they do blood work and possibly urine, uh, urine analysis. And the reason I say possibly is because blood work, uh, when you measure the, what you want to do is not only identify, but also to quantify any drugs that, any drugs that are in the blood. And, and so, uh, there, there are some, there are some, uh, discrepancies about uh, in, in terms of making conclusions about what about the measurements you uh, you find after death because of what we is known as postmortem redistribution <clears throat> where the values can change after death but the point is death is the last time uh, that drug was in the blood um, where so that that so the amount of of, of a drug in the blood at the time of death, will, when you compare that to what you already know from the public literature, mm -hmm. that will tell you whether or not it was an overdose. And even if it was an overdose, based on the amount that you, you find, you can compare that to what you already know from the literature, what mm -hmm. sort of effect that amount will have on a person. So, so it could be a tox, you know, an overdose, that can kill, it can be a, just a toxic dose, could be a therapeutic dose. So those are the kind of things you find, you, you, you learn from the measuring the amount of, you identify the drug and you measure the quantity of the drug mm -hmm. in the blood at the time of death. The amount detected in urine is only, only indicates past use, but it doesn't tell you anything about impairment. Right at the time of death, because because uh, uh, drugs accumulate in urine over a period of time, whereas where in the, where in the in the blood it circulates and then gets excreted. So, okay, go ahead. Now I was just going to say so. So the important thing is how much of a given drug is in the blood, mm -hmm. uh, in order to indicate impairment, and. Uh, Whereas in the urine, it's uh, it, it just indicates past usage. When you look at celebrity deaths, do you see a common uh, thread of, of a lot of uh, intoxication or drug use? <clears throat> well, yeah, so un unfortunately, and a lot of my celebrity deaths in, in the first book, um, 
you know, you use drugs that, you know, illicit drugs or illegal drugs. Right. Cocaine. So it, it's a little bit um, uh, disconcerting, if you will, because we're talking about adults, adults here who should know better. I don't, I don't mean to say that they should know everything, but they should know better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, for example, so it's one thing, for example, let's say they take cocaine, okay? So, okay, they know they shouldn't take cocaine, but they take cocaine. But but then they also take cocaine mixed with heroin mm-hmm. uh, or cocaine mixed with opioids. Now, the reason for doing that, the theory is cocaine is a stimulant mm-hmm. and the opioid or heroin is a depressant. So one, so the theory is one cancels the other, right? That the the side effects of one is canceled by the by the other. You know, one is one is a stimulant, the other one is depressant. So, okay, and in theory that sounds right, right? You, you know, you're taking you know the same amount of each one, then one one you know overcomes the other. But the fact of the matter is that's not true. It's not true because. It's not necessarily the the amount or the weight of each one that you're taking, because each one has its its own properties. So one may be much more potent than the other one. So if you use, let's say, you know, uh, one gram of this, you might need to use five grams of that to overcome it because it's more potent. Uh-huh. You see, so it's not one to one necessarily. Uh, you know, it, the ratio may be substantially different to start uh-huh. with. So. One is the potency might be different. The other, the other thing is that the the uh, the uh, uh, the length of of time that it's active might be different. So cocaine, for example, uh, uh, the the effect of cocaine is is less a shorter time than the effect of the heroin. So so cocaine. So you're taking both together. You think mm-hmm. you, you know, which is a mistake to start with. But you think you're counteracting, you know, the side effects of one by the other. But then the cocaine dissipates. The heroin still remains. Now you have an overdose of heroin, and you mm-hmm. die from heroin overdose. You know, so uh, some of this information I'm giving you is a bit scientific, but right, but right, right. It, it also kind of makes logical sense. You know that maybe maybe you know, you should know better, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation. So that's one problem. The other problem is that they also do sometimes, if they might take three, four or five different drugs that have the same therapeutic effect mm-hmm. and they take it at, at therapeutic doses, low doses, but mm-hmm. when they're combined, when they're combined, they, they, they become toxic because if they let's say they take five different sedatives, or they take sedatives and tranquilizers, or sedatives and you know, and, you know, sedatives and tranquilizers for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, but they have the same basic sedative properties. So when they take them all together, you know, even though they're low doses, but when you combine them, it's like one big high dose, you know, sure. and so and so they, they, sometimes they die from what we call polypharmacy. So. So those are the two major problems, aside, from, of course, from just taking illegal drugs. So mm-hmm. when, 
with the combined drugs on the one hand that they, you know, what they think are therapeutic doses and therefore are okay. But in fact, since they have the same pharmacological effect, uh, you know, taking that combination could be toxic. And on the other hand, is taking is combining, uh, you know, two, these two types of drugs, cocaine, a, 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 or an upper and a downer, or a, a stimulant and a a, uh, a depressant, in what we call a speedball, and 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 as a result, you know, they die from the from the cocaine, uh, from the heroin, not from the cocaine. Absolutely, you know, you hear a lot of stories too about people that do take stuff, and you know, they take stuff to go to sleep, they take stuff to wake up. So, like you say, there there is a combination there that they're trying to counter one drug with another yeah and, and mistakes happen you know okay and make it drowsy yeah yeah well, even though they're weak but nevertheless they have this property that can make you drowsy and if you're already taking a uh, a sedative you know for one thing and a tranquilizer for something else and then you take a cough medicine besides now you're adding you know you may not reach you, you may not reach that overdose toxic range but it all depends on how much you take mm -hmm. um so you know we are we are used to taking uh, as prescribed you know a teaspoonful right, right. You know, a teaspoonful of two teaspoons as needed but some of them you know they don't use teaspoons they just chug it straight from the bottle Right. You know, so they don't necessarily get the appropriate dose. They get too much, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So you you want to do all these. So you you really have to respect the medications, you know, that you're taking, and make sure that you know what you, you know you know what you're taking. Well, just like you hear stories about people um, overdosing on cold medicine. On cold medicine, yes. Yeah. 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 Well. Um, yeah, just uh, like I said, a Benadryl, for example, uh, diphenhydramine is is I, I I don't recall where I just recently heard it, but I heard on the news that somebody died from from Benadryl overdose. Uh, so uh, you know, it could be intentional, it can be uh, unintentional. You know, so you just have to be aware of what you you know what you're taking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, how long did it take you to write this book? So the whole process, uh, so the writing part itself took me about a year and a half or so, mm -hmm. that, but the process of getting it published, uh, uh, the, the writing and the publication is, is about two and a half years approximately, uh, because after after you finish writing, there's still the editing process, and then there's the the uh, printing, you know, which goes through a layout process and right. and and cover design and all that. So. So the whole thing can take anywhere from two to two and a half years. Incredible. And you also have to, do you have people double checking your research or not? <clears throat> um, well, not, not really. <clears throat> I mean, I, I have all, I have all the research and, right. uh, and, and I reviewed it all and I uh, was careful about it. And uh, I, I had some people who, you know, who read my manuscript to make sure that it reads well and that it makes sense. So, so I have that, um, and uh, and you know, I, I think I think uh, I, I think the information was certainly very uh, 
uh, you know, very understandable. And and, uh, and I, I think it came across pretty well. The, the comments I'm, I'm receiving from the readers is very positive. Fantastic. I know I've read it. It's great. You know, I said that before, and I I love to read your stuff. I have your first book as well. You know, you're you're very detailed oriented, and and uh, for anybody that wants to read this thing, it it, it is a great piece to read. It, it really is. Um, which one out of all the deaths in this book that that you wrote about, which one stands out the most? Well, yeah, it's it. It's it's hard to answer that kind of question because you know they're they're like all my children you know which which child do you like the best you know uh, you know so they're all good in their own way I, you know the thing is I I try to uh, to give information even above and beyond the individual so for example when I spoke about Timothy McVeigh uh, I'm sure your your listeners and viewers are aware that Timothy McVeigh was the Oklahoma City bomber. And eventually, he um, he died uh, in prison uh, with a uh, with, with a three a three drug cocktail, as as I say. So, so when when I spoke about that, I, I then spoke. I also wrote all about. I researched the, the whole the whole idea of, of how they you know about ju judicial uh, execution. Mm -hmm. uh, so. So now as I, I transgressed uh, from, I spoke about Timothy McVeigh, but then I also spoke about the general field of, of uh, uh, judicial uh, execution, which is, you know, it used to be the electric chair, then hanging, and, the, and now the, the, the three doses of drugs, but now there's a shortage of one of the drugs, so what does that mean, and what do we do, and, and you know, and, and, I, and I go through that whole scenario, Discuss that, and, and so I, I thought those kind of things, those ancillary pieces of information, I thought kind of were very interesting to to research. The same thing goes with Charles Whitman, for example. He was the uh, University of Texas Tower shooter uh, many years back. Well, at, at his autopsy, they found that he had a tumor, and so a brain tumor. So, so then I discussed the whole issue about brain tumors. And how that affect behavior, and 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 is that would he had he lived, would that been been sufficient to exonerate him? Uh, the fact that he had a tumor, so he was not in control. Because nowadays, for example, you know you have this insanity defense. Right. Uh, so I was comparing insanity defense with uh, with you know with a brain tumor defense, uh, and I, and I discuss all that in the book and. And and uh, tell you uh, like where things stand at the moment. So I thought things like that, you know, were very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I I will tell you, uh, you know, we spoke earlier about um, that. I'm I'm writing now my third book, and um, so the first one was the deaths of famous people, primarily in the entertainment industry. The second the second one is deaths of uh, famous and infamous people in a variety of of industries. The third one is going to be the deaths of not so famous people. <clears throat> not so famous people, that is to say, people who are not famous in their own right. <clears throat> Maybe they were married to somebody who's famous, <clears throat> but they be, they had their 15 minutes of fame because of their death. So, and so in life, they were not famous. So the whole question basically is, 
you know, is it, you know, this fame, everybody, a lot of people, I shouldn't say everybody, but many people are seeking fame in one form or another. And the question is, is that a good thing? And in this case, you know, they had their 15 minutes of fame uh, when, because of their death. And some of the deaths, for example, uh, might be, let's say, murder-suicide, mm -hmm. you know, or, or suicide, you know, killing your children and then, and then committing suicide. Um, so these are unusual kind of deaths, if you will. And so I discuss all that. And uh, so in the title, you know, as I indicated, it's the science behind the deaths of not so famous people. So, so I think you'll find that interesting as well. Absolutely. Harry, it's always great to have you on. And I thank you for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Well, it was, it was fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I'll be happy to uh, have another one when my next book comes out. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, how, how can people find you again? <clears throat> So my uh, website is uh, ForensicsFamousPeople.com, ForensicsFamousPeople.com. And my email, if you have any questions or comments, is MillmanAuthor. Millman is M-I-L-M-A-N. And then the word author, MillmanAuthor at gmail.com. All right. Well, you have a good evening, sir, and I hope the storm doesn't get you, okay? I, I hope you. it passes you by. Thank you so much. Likewise. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye, sir. Bye. Bye. All right. That was our good friend, Harry Millman. Always learn a lot from him about forensics and stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, it's fascinating for me. Tomorrow, we're shifting gears a little bit, and Christy Whitman is going to be with us. And Christy Whitman talks about this 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 thing called the Divine, the, the divine Council. And they're kind of like, well, she'll have to explain it better than I can. They're, they're sort of like guardian angels that that speak through her and they tell her stuff about the future. And so it should be interesting to talk with her. And she also counsels people in the, in what they call the, the laws of attraction. So she's going to be with us tomorrow at 6 30 PM Pacific live here, here on the show. Here on the show. I hope you like this show tonight. I really appreciate you all coming. And I know a lot of you, hopefully you can hear me because you know, over in Florida, you know, if you're on the East coast, especially things that, you know, with what's going on, um, like I said, my heart goes out to each and every one of you, no matter where you live on the East Coast. Um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, be sure to share it with five people anyway. Equal opportunity. You know, we're trying to get the word out about this. You can find me on Facebook. You can also find California Haunts on Facebook. If you go to Instagram, because we're trying to build up our Instagram, come on over to Instagram and follow. That is Ghosty Gal is my handle over at Instagram. And we've got stuff from the show over there, plus other, plus some other fun stuff going on. Um, again, uh, TikTok, we're California Haunts on TikTok, so follow us over there as well. And, uh, you know, YouTube, YouTube California Haunts Radio, that's what we are. Sometimes we're hard to find. Best way to find that is you can go to our website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, and every video over there is hooked over to YouTube, so that, that'll take you over to our YouTube site to subscribe. 450 videos, different topics, just like tonight was a different topic. But I want to thank you all for coming in. I really appreciate it. And you see that ticker flying along the bottom down there. That's because uh, we are, we don't take money to investigate or anything like that. So I have expenses like everybody else here. And um, so, you know, my electricity and my, you know, my internet and all that good stuff. And if you guys can find it in your heart to help me out a little bit, that'd be great. 
we're we're starting our this is this is the third show of our third season doing the shit doing it in this format. I'm real excited about that. I didn't think we'd last past the first season. So I'm really stoked about that. And I want to keep the show on the air and keep bringing guests like Mr. Millman here to entertain you. All right. Anyway, I'm going to sign off for now, but I do really appreciate you. And I will show you uh, his books and where to get them. Okay. So let's do that first. All right. We got a website of forensicsfamouspeople.com. And of course, we got the first forensics book and the second forensics book. Forensics books, book. The final flight of Soyuz. And there's the other two books that he's written. I can't read them from here. Biochemical mechanics and yeah. All right. Anyway, those books are available on his website and Amazon. And usually it's better to get it off the author's website because they don't make a lot off of Amazon when people do buy books. So that's the best. Not good. Hang on, guys. Okay. So, see, it's telling me to sign off. I'm telling you. It's going to be like this for a couple of days till that storm blows out, blows over over there. Anyway, I want to thank you all. See, here we go. Poof. Yeah, there's no internet at all. Everything's gone. I've been kicked off internet. Okay, hopefully you guys can still hear me. I go in here to switch my internet. There's nothing. Okay, now I'm on my home internet. Can't even sign off. Look at that. Wow, that's crazy. Internet's going up and down tonight. It's just, it's all the weather. Anyway, I want to thank you guys. And before I get kicked off permanently, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a good night, you guys. I just went to all, where all those Marios go, you know, when he falls off the cliffs. See you guys tomorrow.